0: Um, these two books right here friends and lovers we owe our marriage Amen. Yes. to this book to Sam and Jerry and to God uh, we'll give God all the credit but this book I mean it is worn out we have used this book so many times and taught out of it so many times the other book that we that has been like our bible for raising our kids Raising Awesome Kids in troubled times, and now it's just raising awesome kids. I guess times are better, (laughs) so that's that's good. Um, But raising awesome kids, this is a new abridged version, so, uh, but it's, these are just really great books. If you don't buy any other books today, I would buy those too, for certain. And they're over here at at the book table, and they'll talk more about the books, but it's just, um, it's like having Sam and Jerry with you. And it's really great for, for teaching in small groups like even your family groups or a group of brothers or sisters to be able to talk about these things. Because we're, we're a village, right? We're all helping each other uh, in becoming better in our marriages and becoming uh, stronger as parents. Uh, so no matter where you are in life today, I know that you're going to get something out of this. But uh, also I wanted to give you a little bit. Um, do you have your devices? You're not texting, are you? <laughs> Okay, But if you can pull that out, people can easily sign up to receive regular emails from Sam and Jerry that include various things like helpful articles, teaching videos, free chapters of the books. That doesn't mean you don't buy them today, you'll do that, but free chapters of upcoming books. To sign up, all you have to do is text to the number 66866, can you say that? 66866 so send a text to that uh, and type in the word joy so text joy to 66866 send the text and then they will respond to you get your email and be able to get you on a regular mailing list so that you can receive uh, new information and any any mailing in that 66866 type in the word joy and send that to you right so you've got a hundred new followers right here, at least a couple of hundred on your email list. Uh, so without further ado, I just, I, I really can't thank you guys enough, personally, and uh, for they have counseled us and just just little minutes with these guys, and again, your words live on through your books, and just appreciate you so much. Uh, we got to have dinner with these guys last night, and got to uh, uh, get over some great memories, and. Uh, Trying to jog those memories again, and uh, like you did, talked about today, trying to remember the good times, and uh, just to remember all these things, and just love you so much. Without further ado, Sam and Jerry Lang
1: Okay, well, thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for all being here. This is so exciting to be here with you today. And uh, So, if you ever want to know, why, why does Sam look nervous? Well, I, if you'd been there the first time I ever preached, uh, I was nervous, and I'm still nervous today. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, I should have outgrown this by now. But, you know, amen. We all need to keep growing, don't we? Amen. Come on, here we go.
2: What?
1: My wife's helping me out here like she always does. Here we are. There
2: we
1: show me where the scripts where the things are that we're gonna be having up here. All right. Okay, think, Come on,
0: oh, see
2: now I don't have the quicker, the chair over there. Yeah, where you're sitting. Ah, there it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I think we're all set. All right.
1: All right. <laughs> Let's pray again, okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dear God, thank you for everyone being here today. and Thank you, God, for your love for us. It's our father, Jesus. Thank you, God, your brother. God, teach us today uh, how, to, how to be the husbands and wives we need to be for each other, how to be the fathers and mothers we need to be to our kids, and grandparents to our kids if Amen. we have them. Uh, Lord, please be with us and teach us. Lord, we want to learn. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about how to build a strong, good marriage, and then how to raise kids. Uh, we're going to tell you everything we know in an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got, uh, there's a lot more books here that I hope I'll show you. Uh, besides uh, Friends and Lovers, I wanted to play the song, How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends? Can see now, It's another mistake I have. I'm not a good singer, but I sing during my things, and I uh, Sherwin do that, you know, and other people that are good. But... Um, Okay, we're going to talk about how to build a great marriage, how to build a great family. Here we go, folks. Uh, here we are right here. Uh, is it working? Yep. Okay. Jesus is to be Lord. Yes, That's amen. Right. That's the thing. He, if he is, he is leading my life, if he's leading your wife's life, if he's leading my life, my life as a father, if he's leading your wife's life as a mother, then you are going to build a strong marriage in a strong family. God knows how to do this and he's going to teach us how to do it. And there's so much in the Bible on how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good father and mother. So we're going to talk about it. Here we go. Oh, there's our family, by the way. Um, that's us in the middle and there's four of our kids and their are four spouses. They're all four faithful disciples. We got 11 grandkids there. That's at Myrtle Beach uh, a couple of years ago. And there's us with our grandkids. Amen. Wow. One generation. We want to keep on helping, sharing with that generation too right now. Uh, there's right. a bunch of them. There we go. All right, here we go. Here's what the angel said to the shepherds right before Christmas. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Folks, Jesus is, first of all, he's our Savior. He loves us. He gave His life for us. God loves us. How can we love? It's because we've first been loved by God and by Jesus. So He's our Savior. That's the first thing. He's saved. He's forgiven us of sin. We're, we, we're going to go to heaven. We, we're cleansed continually by the blood of Christ. Amen. But what's the next thing He is? He's is our Lord. And then we let him, let him be in charge. How What does he say? Unless you repent, you will perish. Obey me. Obey my, if you love me, obey my commandments. Folks, uh, what's mankind done? We, to, to Jesus these days, well, he's my Savior, but I'm going to live like I want to. No, 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 he's our Savior and our Lord. So, folks, let's, let's make him, let's, let's accept his love and be deeply moved by that. It's not just that we work out of duty and guilt, but let's also obey him. And and do what he says, and then we're going to be blessed because of that.
2: Amen.
1: He is the image of the invisible God. Here it is: the firstborn. This is this is describing Jesus in Colossians one, Apostle Paul. Firstborn of all creation; by him all things are created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things <coughs> created by him and for him. He is before all things. And here it is, folks: that last little phrase. Yeah. In him, all things hold together. Wow you want to keep your marriage together for a lifetime, who's going to do that for you? Jesus. Here's the thing. Here's Jerry. Here's me. Jesus is here. The closer I get to Him and the closer she gets to Him, who else do we get close to? Each other. Folks, the more I follow Jesus, the better a husband I am. The more I obey Him and do what He said and repent when I'm not doing what He told me to do. Even in front of my wife and kids, I say, I'm sorry, I fell short of what Jesus wanted me to do. My wife says, okay. My kids say, great. Jesus, you're telling Daddy what to do. He messed up. Thank you, God. And makes It actually makes them love God more when they know that Mommy and Daddy are humble before them because they're humble before Jesus and will teach them, I'm going to follow Jesus one day too because he made Mommy and Daddy better. Okay? So in him, all things hold <laughs> together. Now, here's another thing. Okay, folks. A lot of us were baptized a while ago. Some of us, me, I just celebrated my 50th spiritual birthday in 20, 2019. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I made a mistake there. That's what I do with this. It was, it, okay. yeah. it was February of 1969 that I got baptized. I always like to say back in the summer of 69, but it was in the, in the winter. Uh, by the way, that's in Sam's favorite rock, and I'd love to play it for you. I always think about Sherman McIntosh when I play you know, we all we all became disciples and you know we're still faithful amen and just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord continue to live in him folks we, a lot of us made Jesus Lord how many of you were baptized before you got married became oh okay and now how many of you were converted after you got married I see your hands see a few of you okay but you were converted before you became a disciple. What does that mean? When you got married, what did you have to do? I've got to learn how to make Jesus Lord now. Now that I'm a husband. Now that I'm a wife. There's a huge amount of blessings, but I always say with the blessing comes the battle. You, Nobody I love in this world more than this woman right here, and yet I've had to learn... How to overcome challenges that we, that I had, weaknesses that I had, conflicts that we had, things like that. I had to make Jesus Lord. She did too. Amen. And then we'll say it again. When you have kids, with the blessing comes the battle. <laughs> You'll have challenges that come your way. you to learn to make Jesus Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.
3: Um, really, honestly, if you could just go away with one little thing that will help to guide your marriage, raising children, your family, and the rest of your life, it will be the one that one one little sentence, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And the whole the, what happens is we become Christians at one stage of life and our stage of life changes. And a lot of times we never make that jump, that transition to how does that look now? And it life's gonna to continue to change. I always feel like I finally get one stage figured out and the next one comes and I got to start all over again. But we were converted as college students. We learned how to make Jesus Lord of our time in college, of of our grades, of our dating relationship, of our, you know, whatever we were doing, we learned how to do it then. Then we got married. I was 21. He was 22. We were pretty young. I missed my graduation to go to my wedding instead.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, but we had to learn how to do it. How to be, make Jesus Lord now that I'm a wife. And it looks a little different. And it comes out in very practical ways. And then as Sam said, when the children came, now that our children are gone, he's still Lord, but it, it, obvi- it really does look different. And we're having to figure it out, where we are right now. The way you figure it out, let me just tell you, here's how you find out. You go to your Bible. You use that Bible. And scriptures that you read years ago when you were a college student, and they meant one thing I I was telling some of the women yesterday. When I was a college student leading Bible talks, what did we do? We used Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanity. All things are vanity for meaning and purpose in life. Now, I'm a lot older. I've just recently finished studying Ecclesiastes to help me know how to think about getting older. And it had a lot of answers. Use your Bible. It will tell you how to be a wife, tell you how to be a mother, tell you how to be a friend. It will tell you what you need to know. The other thing is that that Holy Spirit, those nudgings of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying guilt, the nudgings of the Spirit. Yes. Listen to them. Yes. And people. There will always be people in front of you where Jesus is Lord for them. Right. And they will be a light for you. Amen. They will show you what they will put flesh on it, they'll show you what it looks like. Right. Here's the other thing those of us that are older, any of us, there will always be people behind us. And they're gonna be watching us and sometimes when I didn't want Jesus to be Lord I knew there were four little people behind me oh, yeah. watching me <coughs> it made all the difference of the world yeah.
1: okay I'm gonna start doing my crazy thing these seasonal life I like to play Sam's favorite rock on, Sam. and uh, I say I I baptize him and cast the demons out But then here we are okay <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, millennials, if you don't know this song. I'm gonna act like I'm singing it. you want to be all that Here's her part for me. It's just me being crazy. All right. What, what do we need to do? Okay, where's my clipper? Here We love because he first loved us. You want to keep love in your marriage? Keep love for your kids? What's the source of your love? It's because you are loved by God. That, that's the strength for us to love each other, folks. To love our kids. There it is. Now. It says, you didn't have to come to Christ that way. You heard of him or taught. You were taught regarding your former way of life to put off your old self. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what did Jesus say? You don't know us to follow me. when take up your cross daily mm-hmm. and follow me? We all have an old self. Who's our old self? It's the person that we are when Jesus is the Lord. Mm-hmm. We all have our certain temptations. That And by the way, your old self... You try to put it to death, but it's—you it, it, have to keep putting it to death. Yeah. You know, you have, it, it, my old self keeps trying to come back to me. Now that I've been a disciple over 50 years, Jerry can amen that. Yeah, you know, still got some of the same weaknesses. Do I have to deal with them? What does Paul say? I boast in my weaknesses because God's power is made perfect in my weakness. But we need to depend on God in our areas of weakness. We need, but we also need to be self-aware, folks. Where am I weak as a husband? Where am I not what I need to be as a wife? Where, am I, where I need to be as a part of my life. I need iron. I need a brow. So put off your old self. Put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness to let's see you. Okay, we'll come back to that. And have, all right, Jerry, you want to say Well,
3: it does. I mean, okay. Let's just put some practicals in it. What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord when you're now married? He has to be Lord of your time. He has to be Lord of your finances. Things that you kind of learned in a very smaller college way gets a little bit bigger now. Now you're working. You're trying to get a career going, trying to get a profession going, but he still has to be Lord of your job. He has to be Lord of your career. He has to be Lord of your finances. He has to be Lord of how you talk to each other. You know, you talk real nice when you go on dates once once a week. But when you're living with each other 24-7, usually the things that we heard at home when we were growing up, and many of us, those were not Christian homes, those things are the most natural things in the world for us to fall back on. When we're in our own marriages. Mm -hmm. So he becomes Lord of the way we talk to each other. And that's not something you make him Lord of once. Mm -hmm. In our family, it was something we had to make him Lord of regularly. Like every once in a while, we'd have to call everybody together. Or when it was just us, we'd have to talk together. We're just not, we're not doing this right. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not talking. I would never talk to my best friend, and that's who he is. But if it was somebody in the church, would they ever hear me talking to them like that? But we have to change the way we talk. A lot of us were raised where it is second nature to be just kind of harsh, abrupt, rude with one another. It's what we heard at home. Some of us worse, yelling at each other, slamming doors with each other. Jesus has got to be Lord of that. Some of us... We're blessed and we're now in young families with young marriages and and we had Christian parents and they were great models for us and we we kind of know we know what it's supposed to look like others of us we were not raised in a Christian home in that kind of atmosphere many of us were probably raised in broken homes uh, if they weren't broken they were broken inside but other people didn't know it when you are married And you are disciple. And you may be the first generation in your family to be disciples. You can break generational curses in your family. There may be generations of divorce and just dysfunction in your family. It may be your default mode. It may be what you fall back to naturally. But when Jesus is Lord, it's not how you act. And the great thing is, when, you, when he's Lord early on in your marriage, it establishes habits that go with you through the rest of it. There were just things that we didn't have to really break in our marriage because we, we did it early on, and those be, that became the habitual way that we usually interacted with one another. It also means, Lord, of when you disagree, and you will. How do we have an argument? how do we say it how do we approach it when do we say it when do we just not say it and just let god
1: (coughs) what does paul say about that let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth that's right and that means we need to "Mm." i need to not say it that way without that loud or that angry or whatever even if your feelings get hurt we need to learn how to express that but not with anger, but right. feelings are hurt. feelings are hurt, no. Right. Hurt and then when we hear that, instead of saying, what you mean, I didn't hurt you. No. Oh, really? <laughs> what happened? You see, we need to humility. Right. Folks, can That's I right. just say it? Yeah. Humility, humility is such an important part of being a good husband and a good wife. Yeah. So we, a lot of us learned to be humble and be taught before we became disciples, when we became disciples before we were married. Now we need to learn it again. Let's learn, let's learn, and let's, let's figure out, know our weaknesses, and yes. that's why we also need to, even in this room, get other married couples that are mm-hmm. godly people around you and let them help you, and you help them. Let's help each other Amen. grow spiritually. Discipling is not, by the way, just over, under, it's each, it, let's help each other. right. Yeah. Let's help each other to grow spiritually. It's over under after we first become a Christian, but after we grow up for a while, we need to all help each other yeah, grow spiritually. Let's get that back in the kingdom, everybody, but with humility. And that's why I wrote the Seven People book, by the way. Um, is it up here? Um, it's to Having People to Help You to Heaven. It's, mm-hmm. it's that one imperfect person helping another imperfect person. Uh, that's God's perfect plan. Uh, he doesn't throw out marriage. It's about parenting or discipling because we're not perfect. Eh? He teaches us how to do it better. Okay? Yes. that's all I learned. Okay. Wisdom on how to build our marriage. Okay, here we go. Um, hold it. What happened there? All right. What does it say here? Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husband. Do husbands need to love wives need to love their husbands? Yes. Do husbands need to respect their wives? Yes. But here's what he's 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 urging us. Here's what he's teaching us how to do it. Uh, God has tremendous teaching, so let's learn how to love and respect each other and treat each other the way we need to. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. All right. Sam, What?
2: <laughs>
1: Dealing with anger. All right, here we go. Each of you should put off falsehood. Don't lie to each other, folks. Let's tell each other the truth. Speak right. truthfully. In your anger, do not sin. If you get angry... Don't let it dominate you and make you sinful. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling angry, but I'm not going to let it get into my words. I'm not going to let it stay in my heart overnight. Don't let the sun go down. Deal with it. Resolve it. Don't let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth. There we go. I just right. mentioned that a minute ago. Watch what you say before it comes out. Be careful. If you're angry, say, let me calm down before I talk. Go, go take a walk and pray to God. Then come back Amen. and talk when we'll you yeah. stop being angry. Uh, building others up by the way, mm-hmm. most of what we say to each other as husbands and wives and even to our kids needs to be encouraging.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I always say if you have about a five to one or ten to one ratio on the amount of encouragement you give to the amount of challenges and corrections you give yeah. and when you do give that correction and teaching to your kids or you have to say something to help each other, if most of the time you're encouraging then you you've built a savings account mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then when you say, but, but honey, let me tell you this, or kid, let me say this. Mm-hmm. If we've been encouraging, encourage one another how often? Yeah. <laughs> but does that mean we don't teach or we don't correct things or say difficult things? Yes, but most of what we need to say should be encouraging. Think about Jesus. He, most of what he said was encouraging. Then he, yeah, he said challenging things too. Okay, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Listen, if you've got something in your marriage, you've got bitterness in your heart or continuing anger, deal with it before God. If not, go get some help from somebody godly and spiritual to help you get past any anger you're still carrying with you. And uh, every form of that. be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Brothers and sisters, we need to forgive each other. Why? Because God, Jesus died on the cross for us all. So whatever I did to her or she did to me, We did worse to Jesus. So knowing that helps me to ask for forgiveness and to accept forgiveness and to give forgiveness, knowing to keep my eyes on Jesus. Be kind and compassionate one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's learn to deal with anger and the way we talk. By the way, um, in. This book right here on essential eight a- marriage. I talk about how to resolve conflict and, and how to <coughs> communicate with each other. We we both do, and so that it'll help you. Okay.
3: John. Uh, let me just say a couple of things. When when we got married, it was uh, 1972. That was the middle of what those years were called uh, the the women's liberation movement. Now I know we're a lot older than most of you guys are, so that's long past for many of you, but a lot of what began the argument back then is now just commonplace now. And that is for women, don't you dare let anyone put you down. And the idea of submission and authority was just, I mean, I remember all the women in my dorm, all the girls in my dorm, you know, when they knew I was getting married, you know, I mean, they had one way of how they thought it ought to be And I was a young Christian. And the things that they were telling me of the way it ought to be was not at all the way the Bible was showing me that it needed to be. I wonder how many, I've often wondered, how many of those people are still married today? Here's what I had to do. I didn't understand that. And to, to this day, I don't always understand it all. Husbands, love your wives and lead your wives. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Respect your husband. I don't know. You know, sometimes that seems quite counterintuitive to me. Yeah. But let me tell you, I just trusted God on it. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. I decided when I got married, if Jesus was Lord, I was going to do it His way. And that meant I needed le- needed to let Him lead me, and even learn to lead me. It meant I needed to learn what it meant to be submissive. I studied every woman in the Bible that first year I was married because I wanted to see what submission really looked like. Does it mean all of a sudden I can never talk again? Does it mean um, I'm just a, kind of a doormat or I disappear? Or
2: you're inferior?
3: No. <laughs> or I'm inferior. No, right. And when I looked at those women in the Bible who were godly women and very respectful and submissive, it showed me I could be strong but I could still be under the authority quote unquote of my husband. I I could be submissive to him. But it didn't he also tells him he needs to be considerate of me.
2: Yes.
1: You know
3: that's what it said. But I had to go with God, Jesus is Lord and go by faith on that one because that was the way he said it should be. The other thing is um We've been reading a lot of scriptures here. These are not marriage scriptures. But they're for every Christian. And I think sometimes the reason we don't grow in our marriages is because we, we kind of have these certain scriptures that are for marriage, but the rest of it we think is for all the other Christians together. And we don't apply them to our personal lives. You know, I have camped out on 1 Corinthians 13 sometimes for days and weeks. To help me to be loving. Love is, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor my husband. He would be an other. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily Angry, angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. It doesn't delight in him doing wrong and evil. But it rejoices with the truth. It always protects him. It always trusts him. It always hopes and it always perseveres. Love never fails. I mean, that's just what First Corinthians 13 says. It's not just for the fellowship. It can be applied in our marriage.
2: After you
1: get married, stay faithful and loyal to Jesus, but also keep staying faithful and committed to God's church. Keep going. Keep building friendships in church. Keep sharing your faith. By the way, Jerry and I sharing our faith together is one of the things that drew us closer and closer to each other. We saw people that we reached out to become disciples. It's like having a a baby, but a spiritual baby, like we had at church this morning, in the first service anyway. It's so great to reach out and to to still be in God's church and have good friends and and all of that. So do that. And um, build your love life. Okay, here it is. (laughs) Hot and holy. I just read Song of Songs in the Bible. You said that's in the Bible. It tells me to do that. I said the five senses of romantic love: sight, sound, touch, taste, touch. Uh, and what you smell? Yes, uh, we we'll use cologne, brother. amen. Come on. <laughs> I got it all in here, and uh, if I had the courage, I would. I would play. Uh, in
2: right. any way you want it, that's the way you want it. you don't know that song. Um,
1: okay, let's build a love life. And so you have to learn how to build your love life after you get married. That's the good thing about being married. That's why I always say marriage, married sex is the best sex on the planet. Not, not, Unfaithful marriage. The world presents that. Well, that's the way to have fun. Go out and be immoral. Or have same sex. No, no, no. The greatest sex in the world, the most fulfilling, joyful, exciting sex is between a husband and wife because you have time to practice for a long time. Now, I will say, when you get our age, I have other issues to deal with. Okay, she doesn't want me to talk about it. Okay, here we go. (laughs) That's no my problem, not hers. Okay, here you go. That's embarrassing, I know. Build your love life. And so, uh, keep it going. Let's keep Jesus Lord after you get married. Anything you want to say before we talk? Uh, then then when you have kids, when your wife gets pregnant, brothers, it changes things, doesn't it? She she starts getting nauseous. She starts getting weary. She starts getting bigger. Uh, uh, you know, when, when kids come, that's a new step. Then we have in a new phase now sure we have children in our marriage we now have to learn how to jesus how you want me to be a, not only a husband but now a father not only a wife but now a mother and still yet be close to my husband still be close to my wife yes i will say this keep jesus lord in your married life and as as parents uh is that by the way here's some more verses uh slow to become angry james one nineteen and 20 we should already read those to you back in angry thing Uh, kind and compassionate we already talked about that now uh, seek first the kingdom folks even after you have kids the world around us has examples of people and how they're raising their families the world around us Will even tell your kids things about stuff when they're two and three years old, or they'll get it online or on, on their cell phone that are wrong. Before Almighty God, yeah. Yeah. folks, we've got to be protect our kids from that kind of stuff coming at I them know. through their cell phones. And, but also, when they're told in their classroom, this is okay to do this, mm-hmm. no, we go by we go by the God's word in the Bible, right. not by what right. people. Right. Folks, don't allow now. Do we have to deal with our culture and learn to relate to it? Yes. But should we allow them to dictate how we spend, our, set our priorities?
2: No. no.
1: How we spend our time?
2: No. No.
1: The world around us has a lot of crazy things about how they spend time or don't spend time. Right. We need to form ours based on Jesus. What would you do? And on, look at the example of God, godly, strong Christians around you and learn from them, too. That's and learn right. from each other. But this is so, so important to keep Jesus Lord as we begin to... We have kids, and begin to raise them.
3: Yeah, you know, we were married. We were married young, and so we were actually married for five five years before our first child was born. So we kind of had the marriage part down pretty good Mm -hmm. by then. We figured out how to do it and how to do it with Jesus as Lord. And I, I hate to say it, but our first child, that was the first big, big thing we had to deal with in our marriage. And I'll tell you why. Part of it was I wasn't prepared for how much I would love the gift that God had given us. And that's what a lot of times happened, that that gift becomes the God in our lives and in our marriages. And that's when the marriages start to go south. And it's also just when we become dull spiritually. This is a it's a huge time, it's a huge adjustment. And you do need a lot of help adjusting to that first child and our life our world has gotten so busy so crazy but let me tell you something who runs your life you run your own life and god under the authority of god the world does not tell you how to how you have oh, to live no. your life right right, right you have to make some decisions when those children start to come do i really want to live like this do i want to live chasing myself and everybody else around like a chicken with its head cut off is that how i want to live my life or do i want to stay close to god love my husband and enjoy my children. And it's going to mean some tough decisions sometimes that we have to make. I can't tell you how to make those decisions. I can't even tell you what to do. Um, I mean, I can if it's a one-on-one. I can give you some advice. But we all have to deal with that. How can I stay where Jesus is Lord and my marriage is strong and I'm a good mother, a good father? Uh, we We had to have many tearful talks I used to tell Sam, but you just don't understand. I hold this baby and it's like so many of just my my nurturing needs are met and my my physical needs just feel met. I'm just not I'm just not that desirous of other things, but I really do still love you. <laughs> and he used to say, Jerry, I could hold this baby all day long. It doesn't do one thing for me. <laughs>
1: talking about our love life. Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but even just in, in warmth and affection toward one another, it affects everything. So when those children come, you kind, you kind of, have, you just have to decide all over again. Okay, the two most important things, and this was what my mother taught me from the time I can remember. The two most important things you can do once you have a family, love God first and love that father next. Right. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because the Bible says you're leaving leave cleave from your parents. That mm. they're going to leave. They're supposed to leave. Mm. Now I know some of us wish they would leave. But, <laughs> but the teaching of the Bible is that the children will grow up and you will still be together. The saddest thing in the world that Sam ever dealt with when he was a campus minister is how many times college students would call him crying. They're 20 years old. I got a call today and my parents are now divorce, divorcing that there was nothing left after we left for college. I want to still be married when my kids are grown. I want to still love him after my kids are grown. But it starts all the way back when those children are born. And it doesn't mean you ne- neglect your children. It's just decisions you make of priority in your life. Amen.
1: What you'll find is the more deeply you love God and husband, the more deeply you love your wife, Wife, the more deeply you love your husband, you know what? The more you will love your children.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Loving Loving God and knowing I'll be with Jerry even though all our kids have now left the house, I still got her. She's still with me. We're still working on it. So they knew daddy loves mommy more than anybody else in the world, but that doesn't mean he loves me any less. And you know what that made them do? It made them want one day to get
2: married.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, said, oh, I, want to. I remember Elizabeth saying, oh, I want to marry somebody that loves me like you love money. I said, oh, oh thank you, man. Yeah. And she did, got, God sent her Kevin Thompson. Amen. Uh, yeah. She wrote that book, and God says, wait. She had to wait on him, though. But, but you know, uh, <laughs> God, God you, I'm only one flesh with one person, mm-hmm. with her. Now, from that one flesh came four kids, but they are now one flesh with another person, and they need to love them. They need to love their spouse. But do we love them? Do we love them intensely? Do we love them more? I love them more than I would otherwise if I didn't love Jerry and love God. You see what I'm saying? So, by the way, I want to throw this in, too. Keep your love life after you have kids, or a kid. Keep keep get a good lock on your your master bedroom door, and they want to seal the, the so the noise doesn't get out and all that. But, uh, and you still need to make love. You know what? Our, when our, when Jerry and I would hug Jerry or she would hug me and kiss me, you know what they would do? <laughs>
3: daddy, I love
1: you. They'd come run and jump in the middle of us. <laughs> so they wanted to be the you know the cream in the you know the, or, or they wanted to be the cream in the Oreo. You know they wanted to, they, they they when they saw us loving each other, what that did for them it made them more secure, more happy, more excited, more also really that came from God. I want to follow him one day. When they see you loving each other and they see daddy apologizing to mommy when he hurt her feelings and mommy apologizing to daddy and to them, that makes them realize, oh, that's what God does for you. That's good. Let's do that. So let's do it, guys. And once we have kids. Let's learn to let our. Let's not let the school system dictate our schedule. Now, yeah, we know they go in the morning and they get off in the afternoon. But then, but schools can sometimes have things going that dominate your kids' lives too much at night. And then this is matters of judgment. This is Jerry and I giving you wisdom on how we see to apply it. But I would encourage you: don't allow the school system to dictate. How you spend all your time? you yeah, know they need to go to class in the morning and get out in the afternoon? Yes, but what about if they have something every night? Or they even sports? Yeah. Jerry and I had to learn our kids. All they all ran cross country and ran track and things. But David, one time he wanted to run cross country and be in a play. I said, son, you're gonna to have to make a choice, one or the other. So he got in the play, and it was West Side Story, and he got the Maria. I just he got to do that, but he couldn't have done it if he's also run track. Right. He had to make one choice or the other. Amen. And so we said, just one and plus you have three other siblings and we you yeah. can't be doing multiple things. Right. Don't let your schedule get dictated to. You make decisions together and even get good wise counsel from godly other godly people. Now who makes the final decision? You do. But get good input.
0: Yeah.
1: And don't here's I'm gonna share with you something profound right here. Jerry and I decided we're not gonna let the school take us out of going to midweek at church. Amen. If the kids have a test on Thursday, they're still going to come to midweek with us on Wednesday night, Amen. and we'll tell them to start studying on Monday. Yep. And uh, did they need a rest before midweek? Yeah, take go go take a little nap in your room, kids. Come on, come on with us though, rather than saying we're not going or what. Or now, if there was a big tournament or something, but usually even sports. Yeah. We said no if they they demand that you can't come unless you start missing all the church activities. We're not you no. Know, you know what, son? I'd rather you be a disciple one day than be a good soccer player.
2: Come on. Yeah. And that,
1: by the way, we, with David, yeah. when we were in New York, for him, he was really good. but They wanted to take him higher, and they said, but you're going to have to go where you travel every weekend. And we said, David, no, we'd rather you one day follow Jesus than have to travel and be, and right now he's a preacher. In the uh, I'd rather him be that than a good soccer player right now. And I, yeah. did, did I want him to play soccer? Did I enjoy it? Yeah. Yes. Do you think I'm a little crazy in what I'm saying? I hope not. I hope this helps you.
3: Yeah, let me, let me just kind of back up to the, to the ones with the young children and then say a little bit more about this. Because it starts as soon as they come into the world. Um, here's what I learned when I had my when my children were babies. Um, you know, what are the things we have to learn? we Children respond to schedules, right? They respond to routine. And you need to get them on a routine and a schedule, uh, and that's another, that's another whole lesson, another whole time, and there are many other women that can help you with that. But, but, but children are by nature kind of rhythmic people. They wake up every three hours, new babies, you know, to eat, or two and a half hours, or two hours. But it's almost like, it's almost like to the minute when they wake up to eat. They, they kind of are just by nature rhythmic people. We are too. We all do better with some scheduling and some rhythm. But here's the thing. Children also have to learn to be flexible. Yes. Those are two sides of the same coin. I, I don't know how it is here. I just know from being all over the kingdom. And I know the life that many of us are living. A lot of us are afraid to keep our kids up one night to go to midweek because they have to get up so early the next day, either for school or for to drop them off at pre at, uh, preschool or at daycare, they won't die, <laughs> they, I promise you, they won't. But you know what they will have? They will have the rhythm in their life and in their heart of this isn't just talk, this is real life. My parents love God's church, and they're showing me. And honestly, my kids' best memories of being children are acting up in the children's classes, probably. But that they they loved being in church. And sometimes I'd have to make them take naps before midweek. Sometimes we'd just have to bear with the whining on the way home after midweek. But it was worth it. But these are things... These were kind of decisions of Jesus in our life of Jesus as Lord, and 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 seeking the kingdom first, and all these things will work out. They'll be yours as well. These were decisions we made early, early on. Now, we had to make them again, again and again and again as they got older. It says, "Do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear?" The pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them, but you seek first the kingdom. The world runs after success, things, money, who knows what They run after all kinds of things. And God really does know you need some of those things. You need to graduate from high school if you can. You need to be able to go to college if you can. You need to be able to pay your bills. You need to have clothes. You need to be the best example. You know, present yourself as best as you can. But you don't have to be like the pagans do, running after those things. Those things, God knows those things are part of life, and there's an importance to them. But the test is, the Jesus is Lord part of it is, seek the kingdom, seek him first, seek his way first, put him first. And all that stuff does work itself out. An example as the children get older. Homework, Mm -hmm. tests, grades. Sam mentioned, you know what? (coughs) Our kids kind of learned early on. If they didn't study, And we had church on Wednesday night and they had a test the next day. Guess who paid the price for that? They did. They didn't like getting bad grades. Now I know not all kids are like that. We were lucky. They really didn't like getting bad grades. But we they learned that you kind of you still put the kingdom first, and sometimes you just have to trust God on how the tests work out. Study early, you study early, you prepare the best you can, and then you trust God. That was their learning how to seek the kingdom first. What message does it say to our kids when we keep talking to them about God and about putting God first, and we believe it with all our hearts, but when there's a test coming up, we say, well, that's okay, honey, you just stay home. Or what does it say to the kids when we tell them, we want you to love God first, but when sports are every Wednesday night, I'm not saying once in a while on a Wednesday night, are every Wednesday night, so, or so every Sunday, so they're missing being with the body of Christ and learning the Bible, and we're saying that's okay, but we still want Jesus to be Lord, and we're still trying to get them to make Jesus Lord. That's a double message. That's, your life is not backing up what you've been telling them for all these years. So that's why Sam and I feel so deeply about this, because this is... This is Bottom line of making Jesus Lord in Mm -hmm. your life through all the stages. Now, each one of you has to do. You know, we can't tell you exactly how to apply it, Mm -hmm. but I think these are some good examples. Amen.
1: Okay, let's go to the um, next verse here, Um, and um, this this passage right here is one of the most profound ones in the Bible about being a parent it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The I hear today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Yeah. By impress them, it doesn't mean pressure them or just use the Bible to rebuke them or correct them. No, it means to tell them about the love of God, the grace of God, the plan of God, and the wisdom of God to live your life from the time they're very little. Yeah. So I would encourage even you young parents with two and three and four-year-olds, start talking to them about God. But do it in a natural way. Bring God in in and out of one sentence and then talk about something else. Just bring God into everything you do all the time and into the Word of God all the time when they're young. Start praying with them. Start singing with them. Singing to them at night before bed. uh, Teaching them the scriptures. Impress them. Talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road. When you drive along the road. (laughs) When you lie down. When you get up. This is so important, guys, to bring God into our family. Some of us as young parents think, oh, well, I'll let the I'll have our children's ministry converse my kids one day. Mm-hmm. Well, amen. We hope that they help, but who's the main influence on your kids? You. Yeah. You are. We are. Yep. And so build that. Start praying with them, sharing scriptures with them, reading the Bible with them. Uh, Having, having family devos, we did it once a week, but we also another thing we did, and I'm going to talk about building family fabric right now too we build, bring spirituality and everything do. we it, we had meals and just about every night we had a meal together and uh, we, we would say, sit at the table put your feet on the floor and your bottom on the chair and don't bring your phone to the table we're don't, don't, not going to turn on the TV while we're having dinner here and Jerry would have to lean over to me and say Sam, you're here but you're not here because I'd still be worrying about the church, you know. And I, I had to learn, Sam, somebody else can come lead this church, but you're the only one that can be the daddy for these kids oh, here in the world, yeah. and this right. wife, I right Love your wife, love your kids. Break off from your anxiety and, and give your heart to your kids. So we started having really good meals together. We we had joke nights. We'd, we'd say, well, Why, how'd your day go today? And they'd all start talking. And we found out to Elizabeth and... And, and, and David would talk the most and Jonathan would sit there and we said, all right, Jonathan, raise your hand when you want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and say, we'll all be quiet and listen to you, son. And then Alexander would talk right up, our youngest one. But we had to learn how to bring him into the conversation. I'm just telling you, these are things we all have to learn. So I would encourage you, if at all possible, have meals together. Now, I know some of you have crazy jobs and all that. and I'm not, there's no rule here. I'm just saying, if you can work, the more you can have meals together. And by the way, now, psychiatrists and psychologists have yes. done research on this and proven that kids that have meals with their parents are less likely to do drugs and go crazy and do all yeah, kinds of nuts. Just having meals with your family and that are fun and talking and having weekly family devotionals. And I want to encourage you, dads especially, I decided later on, I couldn't do it with every kid every week, but I would have at least one time a week with one kid by myself. Yeah. I'd take a McDonald's or go for a walk or go for a ride in a car and we would talk spiritually. And it really made such a difference in their lives because as a father, I tended to sometimes, Jerry tended to talk to him a lot more readily than I did, and I tended to be, mm-hmm. I needed to get in there with them. Jerry, mm-hmm. you want to straighten out this something? I just made a <laughs> <open>. <laughs> no. Um
3: I think, and I don't exactly, well, let me just say, all, all of our kids, they're all grown, of course, now and have their own children, but one of their great Memories that they always talk about it always comes up whenever our family is together as their memories of every morning? watching their dad walk out toward the woods with his Bible And they always knew he was gonna go he was going to be with God We have a little letter that Jonathan wrote when he was ten years old about his dad teaching him about God It makes a huge difference that's why that scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then we teach it to our children. So those years of raising children and having busy schedules, that's a lot of times where we become church members and not lordship people, (laughs) you know, because it gets hard. And we start drifting away from the things we did at first reading our bibles regularly praying regularly now, i realize that can be a challenge you may not have an hour to do it every day but you've got to have god in your life he's got to be a real relationship in your life yep. then the thing sam was talking about talking about him as you sit down as you walk along the road as you drive in the car as you lie down at night then the conversations they flow not because you're making them happen because but because it's who you are, I mean God and we are are talking about God and talking about spiritual things, it kind of flowed in and out of our conversations. <laughs> we could go from the most trivia thing trivial things in the world to the most profound spiritual thoughts in the space of five seconds mm-hmm. because that's what. When you're with your friends, isn't that what we do? We, now, the guys have a hard time keeping up with us girls. I know we do it more readily, you know. But, but we, you know, something that's a real part of our life, it's just, it's who we are, and it's, it's woven into life. When, you're, when Jesus is Lord of our lives, it gets woven into the fabric of our lives and the fabric of our conversations, and that's what we want to give to our children. That's how we show them that it's real. I can't guarantee you that that's going to make your kids become Christians, but I can guarantee you they will never forget what they've seen and what they've heard. And one day, I still believe, most of those kids that are running out there right now, if what they saw was real, they can't forget it. They cannot forget it. it
1: we uh we actually gave kids our kids some special verses each one of them to memorize and they they did it and it really helped them and uh, we shared some of them were positive some of them were challenging uh, it
3: was uh, for the things that they were going through things they were going through
1: in their lives we would give them scriptures and we found out those scriptures actually helped them more than us just telling them just yeah. right. right okay it really really did help them mm-hmm. by the way don't just use your bible to, to do negative things with your kids use it Teach the positive things right. out of too with right. them, also so very so important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get now to when your kids grow up and get out. But I will say this. Uh, have special moments where you have family Devos and you just read the Bible for a few minutes and sing and everything like that. And mm-hmm. they're little, you can only go for a few minutes and they're older. We actually let Elizabeth and David begin to help mm-hmm. come up with ideas for what we ought to talk about mm-hmm. in our family mm-hmm. Devo when they were older. Mm-hmm. And it was really great. We did it every Monday night. Uh, it was been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be starting taking questions here in a minute, but uh, let me say this after your kids get up and move out. <coughs> Work on being close to them. That's why we moved up here from South Florida. We moved up to Myrtle Beach, is where my son David is, and my daughter Elizabeth's in Wilmington. So we're 90 miles from her. Our son Jonathan's over in Triangle. Mm-hmm. So we're three of our kids are in the Carolinas. One's in Boston. But we're now closer to them. And we, one of my major goals at this season of life is to get closer to my kids, mm-hmm. to learn how to be their dad now that they're not seven, but they're 37, mm-hmm. and they're not 17, but 37. You know, I'm not. Do I still need to have influence? Yes, but do I want to be bossy and arrogant? No, but I'll even let them help me. I'll even let them give me advice, you know. But I still want to help them and encourage them. Mm -hmm. So even now, I'm getting, by the way, with one grandkid a week, with one day kids, uh, uh, (laughs) take them to to McDonald's or something or whatever, (laughs) and and it's so much fun. Uh, So we want to stay close to our kids. I would encourage you to do that because it can be really lonely when your kids move out of the house. And by the way, we still need to keep having fun together, and we're trying to figure out how to do that now that we can't do the physical activities we used to do, running and things like that and all that stuff. But we we're, we're learning how to have fun together and be close to each other, even though we don't have kids anymore. So it's different. Amen. Do you have anything
2: before
3: we start having questions? Um, uh, you know, there. Is the reason, we're, I know we're doing this a little differently than probably most of the parenting and marriage workshops, partly because we were trying to address so many different ages and marriage, both marriage and parenting. But really, Jesus is Lord. It will guide you through all of those stages of life and will give you the direction that you need. Like when the children are grown, it's a whole new time in life. A lot of people, our energy begins to wane. You can't keep up maybe the same schedule that you used to to do so effortlessly. You just have your kids, your grandkids there for three or four days, and you realize you can't keep up at the speed that you used to keep up. But Jesus still has to be Lord, and we have to figure out what that looks like, how to stay zealous for Jesus, and yet be in the stage of life that we are. And listen, grandparents... Don't underestimate the difference that you make in your grandchildren's lives, even those of your children who are not disciples. The difference you make in your grandchildren's life. I love it that Paul reminds Timothy remember the things that you learned first from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Do I have that right? I always get those two mixed up. But remember what you learned from them. I mean, his grandmother. She had an influence on his life. So grandparents, man, build the real life. it is a challenge having an individual personal relationship with 11 different children. I thought four children was hard, but I, we are determined to do it. We want each one of them to have a connection with us that is unique to them and special. And it takes effort. So I just urge you, Jesus is still Lord of your marriage, of your parenting, of your life.
1: One more thought before we start taking questions, and that is when Jerry and I were raising the kids, I often said Jerry and I worked on getting four PhDs, Elizabeth, David, Jonathan, Alexander, studying each kid. I said, how do we have four such different kids with the same DNA? Yeah. We had to study how to, each one of us had different challenges and each one's different personality. We also had to help each other in how to, in how to relate. I remember Alexander was so outspoken, and I would get really offended with him. And I, I would say, she's prideful. Jerry said, no, she's just a sanguine. She's just a talkative girl. She doesn't mean it. And I listened to her, and I changed my attitude. And you know what? I was in her and I got really close. And we're still close now. But I had to listen to my wife. She had to listen to me, too. We also, you can get input from other disciples that observe your family. Let them observe your family. and you. In. Who makes the final decision? You do. It's not being bossed around. It's being...
2: That's right. Pray to God to that's what
1: I You
3: know, there's something so awesome about passing things from one generation to the next. You don't realize what's being passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our kids now have children, and a, a year, a couple of years ago, they, one of them mentioned singing this song whenever I'm afraid. Well, I sang it to one of the grandkids, and Elizabeth said. You're the one that started singing that. I've been singing it to my kids. I had no idea where it came from. And then one of the other kids was there and said, We are too. And then Jonathan said, I kept wanting to sing it and I couldn't remember all the words. Mom, will you sing it? And he recorded it. But it meant so much to me that things that they didn't even remember where it came from, but those were special things that they were now passing on to their own children. How awesome is that? The legacy we're leaving behind that we don't even know and they don't even know Right. but it goes on from one right. generation to the next yeah.
1: cool. okay comments or questions we'll uh let you go here yes sir
3: jerry thank you Tim, thank you um question about
1: your relationships when you were parenting um you know what kind of relationships did you have as you were with your kids uh, not necessarily with your kids but as adults um with the church you know um Maybe peer to peer, or older, You know, what, what kind of focus did you have in having other relationships to help you and support you
2: as you were raising your children? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we had we always had people that we were discipling, or that were close friends that were helping to disciple us too, and so we would share with them any challenges we were going through in our marriage or in our raising our kids, and get their input on it. So we just kept that throughout our life, and that's important. And so, and we helped each other too.
3: Yeah. I think uh, a lot of what we learned as college students—just that fellowship of relationships and one another relationships—we were able to carry on when we got married and started having children. We had a lot of other people that were young families just like us, and we did do a lot together. And we—I remember, I remember getting with back when we led the church in Atlanta years ago, when my kids were little tiny. And I got with Jane Whitworth every week and Diane Hart every week and one or two others. And we would meet at McDonald's. It was before they had playgrounds, but I had three little preschoolers, and they had two or three. And we'd meet at McDonald's, and while they were eating their pancakes, I remember cutting up pancakes and putting out puzzles on the table so that Diane or Jane and I could talk. About our lives, somehow we got a lot covered. I don't know how we did it. Now I wouldn't be as good at doing that, but but we did. So we we just worked at having, and a lot of them were pure relationships. Remember that advice
1: she gave you about it. Yeah, you I do time.
3: remember Jane Whitworth when David was little, probably maybe two, and he was whining about something on and on and on, and you know mothers and their little boys are different than mothers and their little girls sometimes. And she looked at me, and she said, Jerry, you'd have never let Elizabeth get away with that. (laughs) And she was right. And it instantly changed how I looked at my parenting with with David. But those kind of relationships, I don't know if that answers. I hope it helps.
1: When David was running track, Steve Sapp used to tell me, Sam, don't get too anxious and try to push him too hard to be a great runner, just just to try to encourage him. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I've been pushing him too hard. You know, I was, you need to try harder, dude. Sam, stop being so competitive. So I did get input there. Other questions? Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for covering the different stages of, of childhood and, and went from your kids being older to your kids being out of the house. Mm-hmm. What about the stage
2: where they won't leave? <laughs>
1: Beach, his son was still living with him when he was really old. I said, you know he what? He'd already finished college, he was still living home. I said, look bro, if you let him go out and live on his own, I think he's going to be happier. And he did. And you know what? He met a girl and he got married and he's delivered. I said, see what happened? Yeah, he's now, he's a happily married man because he grew up. And from- I know that's just advice. And advice is The application of God's plan, it's not a rule for you. I'm not saying that, but it is good sometimes to get them to move out. Sometimes they need to stay with you, but a lot of times maybe it would be good for them to move out. Get some wisdom.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think the principle is you want them to be able to live their own life. Yeah. And so the principle would be, I know all of ours lived at home for a short period of time between college and their first job. I think David lived at home the summer after college. Jonathan lived in our basement, I think, for a year before he started graduate school. Alexandra came, she didn't come home for long. She was gone. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth came home for six long. months before she got married. So I think there's there are certainly times that it's to help them get through, get to that next stage. But I think for the most part, we need to sort of set some parameters, and the principle is, and I don't know exactly, each situation is so different, but the principle is, they're only gonna grow up when they're not mommy and daddy's kid. And I remember watching my kids, after they left home, they came back, I remember the boys, they came back men. It's like, you know, and for a mother, that's so weird. But they came back, they left boys, and they came back young men. And the same is with girls.
1: Another question. Oh, um, have a, a woman this time. Yes, right here.
2: So when you thank you for sharing about the young kids and just our daughter's back here studying. <laughs> <laughs> good job. <laughs> She's, but um, so something she shared with me on the way to church today was that there was a little boy
1: on her bus, and he was just talking so bad about one of her friends, and
2: she tried to get him to stop, and she said, I can't even say what he said, and. Um, I'm from the Bronx, New York, Mm -hmm. and so we learned how to deal with people differently. Mm -hmm. So instinctively, I want to, I think, teach her something that's not necessarily (laughs) Christ-like. Not being, you know, put them, slam (laughs) slam, (laughs) them. You know, know, I was like, thank you so much for standing up for your friend, but I really had no real solution for her. She said she's told him to stop. like what
3: like how do you even deal with conflicts like that yeah you know my my oldest granddaughter just went through that getting in middle school and um, she had this little group of kids of friends and as you know as they hit middle school they get and I try I remember trying to prepare my
1: children
3: that you know a lot of your friends that are one way now they may start acting different Mm -hmm. and her friends started getting into some awful talk and Just ugly stuff. And Cassidy kept trying to reason. She's very sweet. And she kept trying to reason with them how they should act. And then they started coming after her. So finally she had to remove herself from them. And she sat by herself at lunch for a while. Elizabeth said it was the most painful thing in the world to go through. But she knew she couldn't be around them. So she sat by herself and they prayed for some friends, and she gradually made one friend. And now there's a little group. Elizabeth said, it's like God just answered the prayers, but he taught Cassidy lessons at the same time. And she's built around herself a group of nice kids. And that's important to teach your children how to choose their friends. And the principles of not giving in, some of your kids will more likely follow the world than others, and to walk them through that. That's one of the reasons, while they're home with you, that's one reason our kids did go to public schools, although I think there are times that it's not best. But we wanted them, while they were under our roof, to sort of usher them through the things that the world would throw at them.
1: Okay, next question. Yes, sir. Sam, uh, well, first of all, I, Noel and I love you guys very much. And We grew up in a home without Christian parents and, you know, and without uh, parents that were even married. And I just echo what Sherwin said, raising awesome kids Mm -hmm. and friends and lovers was the biblical guide and the Bible was what we used. And so we're just grateful. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. I keep telling you this,
3: and I'll tell you again, you haven't written that book about where we're at now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Illness, aging parents, Uh, and if there's any wisdom,
1: you know, that I know both of you have had aging parents and parents that you've lost, and
3: just any wisdom for us, uh, you know, in this stage of life, in this chapter,
1: uh, you know. It may be a book that we write one day. Yeah, We wrote Raising Awesome Kids while we were in the middle of raising awesome kids, and still we're learning. Maybe we need to write one now while we're in the middle of being, uh, you know, Baby boomers and still trying to learn how to be older now. I'm I'm going to crack 70 this year. I'm like, what? I don't think I'm that old. So we got to learn. Keep learning. Okay. Um, Yes, sir, from the back.
2: Maybe a two part question. How do you draw out the quiet kids? And in general, it's a good question.
0: And in general, what? In general, how do you how do you bring the best out of your kids? So it's quiet kids or the noisy kids? I mean, I really I have a quiet kid who's the oldest,
2: who's going to leave the other three. Right. I'm trying to figure out how to draw him out, especially as he starts to get that middle school age and yeah. starts to
3: retreat more and more.
1: That's a great question. That's a great question. We some of our kids were very outspoken. Alexander was very outspoken. Jonathan tended to hold everything in, mm-hmm. so I had to learn to get with Jonathan and spend time with him and, and listen to him and ask him questions and, and be calm and nice to him and he would he would start opening up with me. Um, whereas Alexander would come right in the room and start to open up me right when she walked in the door. <laughs> so Jonathan's more of a melancholy, she's more of a sanguine. By the way, if you ever wants to come and help you, we can do the four temperaments, the choleric the, the sanguine, uh, uh, melancholy and pragmatic. Uh, we did that down in Mexico City for people that no hablan is inglés hablan en de Dios and uh, they still liked it. So anyway but draw, learn how to draw out I, I, I have a passage, a chapter in our book on raising awesome kids called Heart to Heart Talks that's oh, one of the most important things you ever learn how to get your kids to tell you what's really on their mind. Some will tell you but others will wait until they're angry or others will not tell you what they're and draw them out and then you can really help them so a lot of it's just asking questions and smiling and talking to them
0: okay
1: another question yes
0: so we have three kids ages 16 to 20 uh, they've all gone through various stages of you know questioning their own beliefs particularly about the church um, our youngest especially is uh, you know really almost to the point of like rejecting doesn't believe in God things like that, despite having that rhythm that you mm-hmm. talked about earlier as younger kids where they loved coming to church and had, you know, all their best friends were right. here. And so how, do you have any advice for how to deal yeah. with uh, a teenager who's not old enough to be responsible for himself? How important is it for us as the parents to throw the hammer down or be, you know, kind of give and take with him? Um, just trying to figure out how to help him without pushing him away. Yeah.
1: Well we still have to you know we still have to discipline our kids. Um, uh, I think we're gonna show this um, um, children obey your parents and the Lord, honor your father and mother by right? folks when they're real little or even when they're older, they need to they need to obey us. Now when they're older they'll make more of their own decisions about, you know, whether they're gonna do twenty minutes of of homework or twenty five minutes or something like that. But nonetheless you give them wise counsel but but in terms of right and wrong and being harsh or mean or, or lustful or looking at pornography, no. That's an absolute no in this house. So you have the right to do that. It may go well with you. So we do need to, to do that. Now, all of our kids went through times, many of them, when they doubted God. And I, we would take them outside and say, where do you think you think this just happened? And I'd show them my watch and I'd say, oh, this just happened. Nobody made it. They said, you're kidding. no." Oh, somebody made it. I'll say this. So, you think all this other stuff out here? Nobody made it? Oh, we God made it. We worked on them, worked with them to help them get through their doubt, because just about all of them doubted.
2: Yeah.
1: And when they have questions about the Bible, or they even have a conflict within the church, you as parents help them learn how to resolve that. Work with other parents on it. Don't you get angry and pull back from it. Learn resolving conflict is one of the most important things kids will ever learn to do, and with each other you want to say something yeah. more then we're going to take yeah.
3: your question um, you know i just had a had that same question from somebody earlier today who has a teenager who doesn't really want to come doesn't really want to believe um and she said he's like 14 she said should i not make him come anymore i said no i said you have need to have a just a talk with him that look while you're under my roof while you're not um, an adult yet my job before God is to give you all the teaching and training that you could possibly need and then your job's going to be to make a decision about it. I can't I'm not saying you have to become Christian tomorrow. That's your decision when you decide to make that. but before God, my job my responsibility is, to bring you and let you hear the teaching and let you hear the things that he has to say. The other thing about our Sam's right, all of our kids went through some real times of questioning. And we never overreacted. We never act, oh no, they've lost their faith. Oh no, no, I remember several of them just reading and absorbing Doug's books on evidences. And they 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 studied. They they really read to figure out what they believe I, I think you could challenge him on that say you know what okay we all have trouble with our faith but what I want to encourage you to do is put some effort in and find out what's really true you can't just say I don't believe in God and not know what you're talking about so you need to put some effort in to figure it out
1: I would ask a lot of questions, too, and find out why wouldn't they want to come to church? Or what's bothering you? Maybe they had a conflict with somebody, yeah, or maybe right. something's bothering them. And help them work through it, you know, and help them, and then you know what's really, really going yeah. on. That was my
2: real. question. The, the issue of when kids don't want to come to church, what do you what do? You leave, do? do, you do I, when they, they don't want to
1: come to church, I would ask them why. What's, what is it? What's bothering you? Yeah. And uh, it, usually there's probably some conflict that happened with another person or something they didn't like. Or maybe there's something in their own life that they know. Oh, they're struggling with a temptation or a sin. That, that, that start, you know, maybe it's starting lust or something like that. It's coming into theft or, or they're lying about something. You, you need to talk to them and draw them out rather than just give up and don't, don't let them not come or just say you're coming. No. What, what is it? What's what's in your heart? Find out what's going. Draw them out. That's so important. Yeah. Draw them out. We don't have much more time here. Uh, another sister here. Yes.
2: So um, we have uh, two girls, six and three, and our six-year-old is starting to when we when she does something like
1: disobedient or defiant or whatever, she's starting to like argue or talk back, and I can
2: find myself getting mm-hmm. in this vortex mm-hmm. of conflict, and it's it mm-hmm. gets it's one of the hardest moments to know what do you, what should I say what should I do to diffuse, and because mm-hmm. um, my tendency is that's how
1: my mom was is to kind of just. Flare up mm-hmm. and get angry and right. leave, and so I can feel myself doing that, yeah. my tone getting like really yeah. harsh. So, do you have things that you've said just to help yeah. diffuse or things that can help? Yeah. I think it's when if that starts happening. What I would do is mm-hmm. not necessarily at the moment, but I would deal with it at the moment, but it, I would also start teaching them about it when you're not having an argument with them. Yeah. Say, let me teach you about the importance of obeying mommy and daddy because, uh, listen, if they don't learn to obey us, they're never going to learn to obey God. There's a good chance of that never happening. So we teach them, why did, Why would it be important for you to obey and respect you? But does that mean you can't tell me well, something's bothering you? No, I want to know what's bothering me. But on the other hand, I don't wanna, I, I'm, I'm in charge of you, and so is your dad. So you teach them these things, not just at the moment of conflict, but lay a foundation of it in the Scriptures before there's a conflict, or even after a conflict, say no, I sit down and talk about it when we're not upset and angry about it. But teach them. And even teach it in family tea law. Now, uh, it's about 2.30, we need to close out now. Tom, our, uh, our con- where are you? Uh, there he is. Um,
0: if maybe we can, if people want to stay around a little bit longer and for some questions uh, with you individually, but uh, maybe check a couple more questions and we'll close it well, out.
1: yeah, a lot of these Questions like this probably would be good to not not that we wouldn't deal with them here, but you may need to get some personal help from some wise, wise, wise advisors, uh, uh, either people at your own age group or somebody that's already an elder that's already raised his kids or her kids to be disciples. You know. Just one other
3: thing in response to yours, um, I think what helped me a lot was to know that I was the mother, and she was not. That's right. And I had to come to a real conviction about that, because I, I would find myself on the floor with Elizabeth, like two three-year-olds, arguing with each other. And I realized, there's this something about this is not right. And when I really got a conviction that God had put me in charge, I, all my, I may not always be right. I know I'm not always right. But I'm still the only mother she's got, and I am supposed to be the mother. And so I had to tell her that. I am the mother. You are the little girl. And God's made it that way. And like Sam said, there will be times to talk. But whenever I... I had to learn not to engage and let it go into an argument. Because then it would go up, ramp up, and I'd be screaming at her. you know. But if I didn't engage, if I just said, I already said it once... You can either do it now or you can go sit in
0: your room, and when you're ready, come and do it. But we're not going to argue about it. Should we stop now and take a break? Yeah, we're good. So uh, a lot of these questions can be answered in any one of these books. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. 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 Believe me, we got two kids. They were difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, get get Carrie, left. Carrie left. Carrie left. She's, She's already left, left, so we gotta talk about that. Uh, but, uh, Things may look good now, but they were not always good, you know what I'm saying? So, believe me. Please stop by the book table, and please support Sam and Jerry. They've come over here. This is this is what they're doing in this stage of life, and, and their book sales are a big piece of it. So this is one way you can thank them monetarily, is by buying a book. And uh, make sure you do the text thing, uh, so that you can keep up with this. And, uh, we got a lot of people around here, a lot of elders, a lot of people who have raised kids that can help us. Let's make sure that we're asking the questions Yes. and uh, yeah. these guys will be around here a little bit longer. We're, we've worn them out. Uh, Debbie had an announcement. Hey Sherwin, uh, credit cards, yes. Yes, credit cards, yes.
3: I just want to make sure that all of you who have children in the childcare, if you wouldn't mind Making a contribution to the, the people that are uh, babysitting or child sitting or children, a donation to them, whatever you feel comfortable with. But we really appreciate them doing this. And Jamie, we really appreciate you Thank setting you. this up. Yes, yeah. Jamie. <laughs> but if we look not aware, where, where do they do that, Jamie? I forgot. There's cups
2: at the sign in tables so that they can just drop. Okay. It All right, great. Thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Just remember, in the Book of Proverbs, there's many, many advisors, there's victory. So be sure to get counsel and advice, and then you decide. pray what you're doing. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. so difficult. Oh,
0: sorry. As a child, right? Well,
2: it so difficult. That's